Luke chapter 3, verse 21. The Bible says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized. <laughs> Jesus was baptized. Did you know that? He was baptized and praying. The heaven was open. The Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I am well pleased. Goes on to say in chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 1, And Jesus, everyone say Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was then led by the Spirit, where? Into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted of the devil himself. In those days, he didn't eat anything. When they were ended, it should come as no surprise, he was hungry. He didn't eat anything for 40 days. The devil said unto him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word of God. Verse 9, verse 9. And, and the devil brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to Jesus, If you're the Son of God, he's a persistent devil. If you're the Son of God, cast yourself down from here, because it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. The devil is using the Bible. Did you know he does that? He uses scripture to try to defeat Jesus. Goes on, it says, give charge over you. In their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, it is said, or it is written. You know how you fight misinterpreted scripture? With correctly interpreted scripture. He says, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Now either these two scriptures can be in contradiction with one another, which is impossible, or somehow you got to figure out how they are in unity and harmony with one another. And when the devil, this silenced the devil, ended all the temptation, he departed from Jesus for a season, meaning he was, he's going to come back. <laughs> he's going to go lick his wounds and he'll be back. Verse 14, and Jesus now, after this, he did what? He returned in the power of the Spirit. He returned in the power of the Spirit. Amen. With the help of the Lord, I want to talk to you today. I feel led of the Lord. Amen. This, the content of this message is, is nothing new. I've preached it in various ways. Amen. Here at the Refuge Church. But I feel led of the Lord to preach to you about how to walk in the power of the Spirit. How to walk in the power of the of the Spirit. Could you lay your Bibles and devices down and let's lift our hands one more time before we're seated and let's pray together very sincerely that the Lord would speak to us. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for all that you have done.
Lord, already in this service, thank you for each and every soul that is here today. Lord, I believe that you have divinely orchestrated this service, that no one is here by mistake. But Lord, you are here. We are here by divine appointment. I believe you want to talk to us. You want to speak to us. Help us to hear the voice of the Lord. Help us to follow the leading of the Spirit. That I, as the messenger, will be, Lord, a mouthpiece for the Lord. Let me speak the truth in love and let us all... Lord, with one accord, give heed to these things that are spoken. Let us receive with meekness the word that is able to save our souls. In the name of Jesus, have your way in this place. Lord, we're going to give you all the glory. We're going to hear the word. We're going to obey the word. We're going to walk in the word. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. Amen. How to walk in the power of the Spirit. Well, let's clap our hands to the Lord and thank you for his word. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you so much again for, for being here today. Amen. How many has ever heard uh, this saying? It, I, I understand that it was first coined by uh, a Christian writer who wrote several books on the subject of prayer. His name is E.M. Bounds, or he goes by E.M. Bounds. And he says this, much prayer, much power. Little prayer. Can anyone guess what's next? Little power. I think it's important for every believer in this house, young and old alike, to understand that there is an undeniable, unmistakable connection between your spiritual disciplines, how you spend time regularly with the Lord, with his word, faithfulness and attendance, giving, spiritual authority. There is an undeniable connection between your spiritual disciplines or your daily walk with the Lord and with your level of spiritual authority. When I talk about how to walk in spiritual authority, what we're talking about is living a life of an overcomer. Being done with living as a victim to circumstance, to culture, and even to your own bodily or human desires and will. But you're going to say, God, I want to walk in victory. I want to walk as an overcomer. I want to be victorious by the help of the Lord. And I believe that in this passage of Scripture that we just read, there are some keys to discovering how to walk in the power of the Spirit. Before I move on, I do want to say this, and I've said this many times before, but the single most important thing that you or I will ever do on any given day, Sunday, Monday, or any day, is to spend time with the Lord and to spend time in His Word. That's the most important thing. I don't care what you got booked and planned and scheduled for this week. The most important thing that you will do when waking up tomorrow is spending time with Jesus and his word. Because if much prayer equates to much power and little prayer equals little power, then we might even say no prayer, no power. Everyone say no power. We find Jesus here, Jesus. I mean, think about who we're reading 
about Jesus. The, the apostle says this is God manifest in flesh. He's fully God. He's fully man. Deity incarnate. The invisible God become visible to us as a child that is born in Bethlehem, that grows up in Nazareth, that takes upon himself the form of a servant, even unto the death of the cross. Jesus, this perfect, sinless Jesus. Listen now, Jesus was baptized. Say, what? Jesus was baptized. Because he was fully human, and he is our perfect example. And he calls every disciple with these two words, follow me. And if we are to be disciples of Christ, believers of the Lord, then we ought to follow him right down into the water. If Jesus, the sinless man, was baptized, how much more do you and I, as sinful men and women, need to be baptized? He was our perfect example. and We see not only was he baptized, but we see that there is literally an image, a bodily form like a dove that descended upon him. The Spirit, the Holy Ghost descended upon him. And a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Scripture indicates that this was actually for John the Baptist. Understand John the Baptist's only purpose for living was to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So it was imperative, it was necessary that he knew who Christ was. And the Lord told him that this sign would be given to you. And there it was. He knew this is the Lamb of God that had come to take away the sin of the world. But nonetheless, we see again the beautiful, perfect example. Here's Jesus baptized Here's Jesus anointed or filled with the Spirit, right? Guess what? If Jesus was baptized, you should be baptized. If Jesus needed the Spirit, you need the Spirit. Not only does the Bible say that he was filled with the Spirit, past tense, in a moment, but the Bible says that he was, everyone say full. He was full of the Spirit, I think it's so important for our spirit-filled experience not to be a moment in our past to be remembered, but to be an experience that's lived on a daily basis. You should live full of the Spirit. Full, not past tense, but ever-present, always filled with His Spirit. And the Bible says that he was not only full of the Spirit, but that he was led of the Spirit. Again, this is an important example to follow. I need to be baptized. I need to be filled. I need to be full. And I need to be led of the Spirit. Do you want to be an overcomer? Do you want to walk in the power of the Spirit? Then you've got to live full of the Spirit. And you've got to learn how to be led of the Spirit. If you learn nothing else in your Christian walk... It should be your top priority to learn how to follow after the Spirit, to learn the voice of the Lord. Jesus says, my sheep, I'm the chief shepherd, he says. He says, and my sheep, they know my voice, which makes me wonder, hey, 
Do I know the voice of the Lord? I claim to be one of his sheep. I claim him as my shepherd, just like Psalm 23 says. But do I know the voice of the Lord? I believe that it is so important for each and every one of us to be filled, to be full, to be led. But the Bible says that the Spirit led him where? In the wilderness. Hold on a minute. I was good with this example to follow up until this point. Hey, I want to be baptized. I was baptized. I want to be filled. I was filled. I want to be full of the Spirit. And I, I believe I am full of the Spirit. I'm being led of the Spirit. But Sister Bella, when you get to this part about the Spirit leading him into the wilderness, that's where we want to stop the example. We want to close the book and say, hold on, I'm good with Jesus leading me all kinds of places, but don't lead me into the wilderness. Don't lead me into a place of barrenness, a place of dryness, a desolation, a desert place. I want to be in a place that is, well, it's plush, it's comfortable, it's full of blessing and abundance. It's got all kinds of happiness. There's nothing but flowers and roses there. But even roses got thorns. Jesus says, you will be persecuted for my sake. And we see that the Spirit leads Jesus into, of all places, into the wilderness. And not only was he in the wilderness, brother and sister Hoyer, the devil met him in the wilderness. And this was a result of the Spirit leading him there. Say what? You're telling me that if I'm going to go through all that trouble and be born again and be full of the Spirit and be led of the Spirit, it's going to potentially lead me to the wilderness, lead me to a place where I've got to come face to face with the enemy himself, the enemy of my soul, the devil? But I don't know about you. But I want to get over the bridge, whatever the bridge looks like, to the place where I, like Jesus, can walk in the power or the authority of the Spirit. I don't just want to have all of this power and not do anything with it. It's like an analogy that I heard my pastor use many years ago. He said that there was this occasion where they had this bodybuilders competition. And, and there's all of these, these muscle heads that have come together to flex their muscles and to show off their physique. And the winner is interviewed after the competition. And the interviewer says, you know, Mr. So-and-so, man, you've won this competition. What are you going to do next? Going to go to Disney World. <laughs> you know they all talk like that too, right? He says, he says, now, you've got all of these muscles. You've got muscles on top of muscles. He says, what do you do with them? And this muscle man struck a pose and struck another pose. He says, no, no, I, I saw that. I, I saw all your muscles, but what do you do with all that muscle? Like, like do, you, do you work? Do, do, do you build things? Do you construct things? Do, does it help you to accomplish something? He, no, no, no. And then he strikes another pose. That is not God's intention for your life spiritually. 
He has not called you to be full of his spirit, which is the greatest power in the universe. So you can merely strike poses on a Pentecostal pew, on a church pew. It's not simply that you could just kind of come to church and sing a pretty song and go through the motions. No, but he has called you to be filled with his power to do something with it, to walk in the authority of it, which means I know what I can do with this power that I have received. But what is the bridge that spans the distance from being full and led of the Spirit to walking in the authority of the Spirit? Well, we see it right there in Scripture. The Bible says he was tempted, and he was tempted, and he was tempted. Not just by anyone. Old Slewfoot himself, Lucifer, Satan, met him in this arena. I don't know, does anyone else kind of get this picture like this epic battle? Here it is, the octagon, it's alive, the wilderness, Jesus on one side, Satan on the other. This is going to be the battle of the ages. Who's going to win? You've got to be kidding me. You think for one split second that the devil ever stood a chance? Not in this lifetime or a thousand lifetimes. Jesus said, if miracles are being done, then know for sure that the kingdom of God has come to you. He said to his disciples who were amazed at the power that they had to cast out devils and heal diseases, he said, listen, you think that's something? I saw by the finger of God, Satan cast out of heaven. And what that looks like in my brain is God did this. He didn't thumb wrestle him. He didn't enter some kind of competition of strength. He simply said, go, and Satan had to go. There's no competition between deity and Satan. But I'll tell you where the battle is. It is between humanity and the tempter. And Jesus, while fully God, he was fully man. The Bible says he's tempted just like you're tempted. Before you write this story off as unapplicable to your life, remember Jesus was a man. He was immortal. He, he was a man. He was flesh, meaning that he, was, he, he got hungry, he got tired, he had to eat, he had to sleep, and he even suffered and he died. The Bible says he was tempted just like you're tempted. The difference was is he never gave in to temptation and committed sin. And I think this is important to make this real quick commercial break. It's important for you to know that being tempted is not something that you need to feel guilty about. The devil would love to convince you that because you're tempted, that therefore you're a loser, good for nothing, and God doesn't care about you. The devil is a liar, and that's all he ever speaks. If you're tempted, that simply means that you're human, and Jesus was human, and he was tempted. But you know what he did with temptation? He used the word of God, and he said no to temptation. He said no. He said no. And he said no again. Every advance, every temptation that Satan himself threw at Jesus in his humanity. He was there. He was weak. He had been fasting for 40 days. He was starving, folks. 
He was hungry. You try not eating for four days and see how hungry you are. Jesus, the Bible points it out because the Bible wants us to know he was fully man. He was hungry. He wasn't some kind of super human where he didn't feel hunger. He felt hunger just like you feel hunger. He felt temptation just like you felt tem feel tem temptation. But he overcame by the power of no. The power of no. And I, for one, thank God that he has the power, he has the prerogative to say no. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud in James chapter 4 and verse 6. God resists the proud, meaning, listen, I know that God is no respecter of persons, and he says, whosoever thirsts, let him come. It doesn't matter whether you're red, yellow, black, or white. doesn't matter which side of the tracks you live on, what color uh, your skin is, what language you speak. If you are thirsty, he said, come unto me, and I'll give you living water. He is no respecter of persons. Whoever you are, let him come. Wherever you live, let him come. But he is a respecter of principle. And the Bible says that God resists the proud. Meaning that if you come and your heart is filled with pride, he resists you. Say, what? How can he do that? I thought he's a loving God. Slow down, you spoiled brat. About throw a tent temper tantrum right here in the church house. I thought he's supposed to accept me just as I am. I'm filled with pride and he can either take me or leave me. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. Don't throw any rocks at me. But he'll leave you. He'll resist you because he has the power to say no. No, that's, that's not how we operate in my house. That's not how things go in my kingdom. And last I checked, he says, I'm the king of this kingdom. This is my house. I'm the father of this house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meddle for just a little while, but I'll keep on going. It is so important that in healthy homes that there is parental authority. Just like in the kingdom of God and with our everlasting father, that he doesn't have to put up, that he can discipline, that he can correct, that he can instruct, and he does so with love. It's important that parents exemplify an authority in their home just like Christ does with you. You ought to do with your children. Listen. We don't have to simply give our kids whatever they want because we've been there and we know that there's some things that they want that they don't need. They're not good for them. They're not healthy for them. So speak up, parents. Show parental authority. Otherwise, there will be consequences because an undisciplined child is a spoiled child. And too many times we think, of the idea of, oh, their grandmother just spoils them. Sorry, Sister Val, I did not mean to say this. I know you're here. You're watching your grandkids. And maybe your grandkids could testify differently. I, I don't know. 
You know, their grandmother just spoils them. And we say it like it's a good thing, right? It's not. It's not. Now, 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 now don't get me wrong. One day, Lord, Terry, I'll, I'll have grandkids. I'll probably spoil them too. And, and maybe grandparents and, and uncles and aunts could do that. But parents can't do that. Parents can't do that. Why? Because we're, so, we're called to train up our children in the way that they should go so that when they're older, they don't depart from it. We are setting up our kids so that when they are independent from us, and they should be one day, they know how to live on their own. They know how to provide for themselves. They know how to defend themselves. They know how to make healthy choices. And how will they know that if we do not train them? I'm sorry. I'm a pastor. This is what I do. This is what I'm called to do. I'm called to pastor. I thank you if you've come as a guest, but this pastor is just trying to pastor right now, and I'm trying to put into practice a principle that our Heavenly Father wants to do in our lives. He has no power. He has the power to say no, and I, for one, thank God that he does, because I'll tell you right now, Timothy, I've been living for the Lord for a long time. I received the Holy Ghost and was baptized when I was six years old. I know you did about a month ago. Since I was six years old, I've been born again. And there have been times that I prayed for things. And I thought that I should have things. And I asked God for things. And all I got was either silence or a flat no. And instead of storming off and stomping my feet or throwing myself on the floor and throwing a tantrum and being mad at God... I now, at 40 years old, look back and thank God that he could say no to his child a time or two in my life because he saw the end from the beginning and he knows what's best for my life even when I don't think it's the best for my life. He knows how to correct me. He knows how to instruct me. And he knows how to tell me no. Someone say amen. And sometimes a no is better than a yes. Yes, it is. But listen, our Lord is not the only one that has this power of no. The Bible also says in the same chapter of the same book, James chapter 4, now I'm going to read verse 7. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. Those are two no's right there. Submit to God. Meaning say no to the enticements and seduction of the world and the desires of your body. Submit to God. And then resist the devil. Meaning that the devil will try to make advances toward you. He will try to seduce you and deceive you. But you, like God, who made you, has the power to say no, I don't think so. Not in this house, not for my life, not in my heart. I know that the world tells me that I should be eaten up with bitterness. I know that my family history tells me that I should be an alcoholic. I know that my culture tells me that I should be confused about my gender. I know that this world is spinning and spiraling out of control. But listen, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I've learned that I've got the power to say no to some things. Sometimes it's no to myself, and sometimes it's no to advances of the enemy. But the power of no when practiced will give you the power to walk in the authority of the Spirit. Oh, someone shout yes. 
this power of no becomes enhanced in your life only after you begin to exercise it. It's like Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14 says, strong meat belongs to them that are full of age or those that are mature. He says, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Hear me today. Oh, I feel this heavy on my heart and I hope that somehow I can effectively communicate to you today. Please, Lord, help me right now. He says, who by reason of use, meaning that there are some things that you have in your life that they've got to be used. And the more you use them, the more effective you are with them. And the power to say no is one of those things. It's strange how the first word that we learn to say as a human being is no. But somehow, as we grow through adolescence and a teenager and an adult, that sometimes the most trouble we get ourselves into is because we've learned or we've lost how to say no. <laughs> right? Just ask any of us that have ever tried to be on a diet. <laughs> right? I'm going to say no to all carbs. Pasta dinner? Okay, count me in. I mean, I know there, there's some of you that, were out, uh, uh, that are out here right now. You were here Wednesday night. Right? It was Wednesday night, and uh, we had cake. Sister Kellerman, on, uh, her husband had cake for her birthday. And, and, uh, and some of you, you were doing so good all Wednesday. No sugar all this week. You were, you were a champ. And then after, after service, they served that slice of cake to you. They didn't even ask you if you wanted it. They just put it in your hand. Because that's, that's how they roll, you know. They just put it in your hand. You're like, yes. 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 Right? He says, but if you exercise this power, the more effective you will become with it. But hear me. They have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. How many could look around and read the headlines and it seems like people have lost their senses? They've lost all common sense, right? It's like they cannot discern from good and evil. But it should not be this way in your house, in your life. You need to have not just common sense that discerns between good and evil, but God help us to grow up and not just wrestle with whether or not we're going to do right or wrong, but we could start graduating to the decision-making between what's good and what's best. I'm done with the elementary level of choosing between right and wrong. I pray by the help of the Lord and the grace of God, I could graduate and say, listen, I'm not struggling with whether or not I'm going to live evil. I want to know what's good and what's best in my life. You've been created in the image and likeness of the Creator. I won't be much longer. Stay with me. And you have this inherent ability to exercise the power of no. And it's time that you exercise it and implement it. And it is exponentially more effective after you receive the power of his spirit. Not just filled, but full and led of the spirit. It gives you the power to abstain. Two scriptures here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 
And then I'll look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 2. I make no apology for this Bible study on a Sunday worship service. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Doesn't that sound good? You are a holy nation. Oh, yeah, it's getting good. You are a peculiar people. Say what? <laughs> does that mean we're weird? <laughs> yeah, kind of it does, yeah. To the world, you're pretty weird. <laughs> you're a peculiar people. You should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You had not obtained mercy, but now you've obtained mercy. Don't stop reading. Dearly beloved. Everyone say, that's me. <laughs> that's me. Dearly beloved. Yes. I beseech you. That means I beg you. Paul, or Peter rather. Paul, uh, Peter says, I beg you as strangers and pilgrims. Hello? That's a reminder. This world is not your home. You're strangers and pilgrims, so therefore abstain. Everyone say abstain. From fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. We're living in an interesting time right now. We celebrate the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Where it somehow found in the Constitution a woman's right to an abortion. The taking of a human life. Because scripturally, we see human life beginning at conception. And the outcry is this. How dare you, how dare some judge motivated by some religious agenda take away the right over my own body? As though she has no choice in the matter whether or not she becomes pregnant. And it seems like our health classes in our school systems have completely forgotten the most successful Prevention of all time to unwanted pregnancies, to sexually transmitted diseases. Does anyone know where I'm going? It's called abstinence. It's called to abstain. Abstain. Where's my folks that say virginity rocks? Yeah, some of you are like, uh, are we supposed to clap at that point? I don't know. Like, this is awkward. Does pastor know about that? And I understand that that branding came about by people using sarcasm to actually ridicule virginity. But the reality is, it does rock. It is a solid rock upon which our young people, our children, hear me now, our sons and our daughters can avoid irreversible damage to the rest of their human lives. But listen, that same principle that applies to pregnancies, sexually transmitted diseases, applies to us spiritually. You can abstain. Hear me right now. We do not believe that the creature is greater than the creator and that you and I are nothing more than evolved chimps. 
We do not believe that we are on the same plane as an animal. And all we are is given to instinct and our nature. And we are victims of our nature. I preached about it last Sunday. There is the nature of the beast. And there is the fallen nature that we have been born with. But thank be to God that we have been reborn of water and of the spirit. And God has regenerated us with the spirit that makes us alive. And we do not simply have to be animals given to instincts of our flesh but that we could rise above and say no to some things. We could draw a line in the sand and say this is a line that we will not cross. We believe in abstinence. We believe in the power of abstinence. I know this is a strange thing to say on a Sunday worship service, but I feel it so strong in my spirit because I want my church family to re become re-familiar of the revelation of the power of no. And if you can exercise the power of no, you can walk in the authority of the spirit like Jesus did when he came out of the wilderness. Let me close, let me close with these scriptures. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, the prophet Hosea said by the inspiration of the Lord, my people are being killed. They're destroyed. How? What's the result of this? Or what is this the result of? They're destroyed. How? For the lack of knowledge. Why do they have a lack of knowledge? Because they've rejected knowledge. They've been given the information, but they've chosen not to read the book. They've been told the powerful knowledge of truth, but they've chosen to stop their ears and not listen. And because they've rejected knowledge and they have a lack of knowledge, now they have been Given, to, given themselves as victims to destruction. And why are so many people, people being destroyed? Perhaps it's because of the lack of knowledge. Stop rejecting it, but welcome it. Lord, give me the word. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible says, account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul Paul, Peter's referring to Paul the apostle. He says, according to the wisdom given unto him, he's written unto you. He says, Paul has written letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also in all of his epistles, his letters, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, Titus, Timothy. All those letters, he says, speaking in them of these things. He says, Paul has wrote of the same things I'm writing to you about. In which some things, I'll admit, Peter says, they're hard to understand. Has anyone ever read the Bible and you're like, that's, I'm not sure what that just said. Let me reread that again and again. <laughs> Pastor, can you explain this? Some things are hard to understand, but watch what it says next. Next, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. They're hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable, they rest. W-R-E-S-T from which we would get the word in the English, wrestle. What he's saying is because people do not have a knowledge of the truth, they're unlearned, they're ignorant. He says what they're doing is they're taking the scripture, like someone who's grappling, someone that's wrestling, and they're pulling scripture 
and dislocating it out of context. How did we get to this place where there's 460 some odd different ways to believe this word? It's because they're unlearned, unstable. And so they've taken a scripture and they've pulled it out of context. And here we are in a terrible place where Christianity seems like it's 500 shades of gray. And there's all sorts of things that are, are not sure and false doctrines abound and false teachers. And we've got to make sure that we have a knowledge of the truth. Because if we practice the power of no, it will only be born out of the power to know. Jesus was able to overcome temptation because he knew what the word said. And so it is with you. Like the psalmist wrote, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You're wrestling with things and you feel like you're losing the battle. But make sure you get a hold of the word in the battle and learn what it says. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, you can raise up a standard against him and say no I don't think so and my no has power because I know what that book says I know that he is greater that is in me than is in the world I know that there are more for me than there are against me I know that all things work together for the good of them that are called according to his purpose and love God I know those things you hear me you can have victory, and it's through the power to say no based on what you know. And as a result, you will walk in the authority and the power of the Holy Ghost. Would you close your eyes all across this place? Lord, I pray that you would have your way even right now in our midst. Oh, Lord, I pray let there be... Lord, a moving of your spirit from your presence that rushes into this place, even now, in this room. Let your spirit, the spirit of truth, that can lead us and guide us into all truth, move upon every heart and every mind so that it could bring revelation. I pray, oh Lord, that we will know, and when we know the truth, it will make us free. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ for my brothers and my sisters in Christ and every person under the sound of my voice that lives in a world just like I am, that wrestles with the advances of the enemy and the temptations of our adversaries and the allurements of this world and what our flesh craves. And Lord, we want to walk in the authority of the spirit but so oftentimes we feel like we come so short of it I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that this message will be brought into their light of their lives and that they will live it in application Lord have your way in each of our hearts would you lift your voices right now with me as I pray why don't you pray why don't you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus we need you Jesus we want to have an overcoming life Jesus we want to walk being led of the spirit being full of the Holy Ghost. We want to be victorious over the temptations of the enemy and it's going to come about by the word of God when we hide it in our heart. Teach us, O Lord, thy ways. Open our understanding to understand the scriptures. Help us, O Lord, to walk in the authority of the Spirit. Someone say in Jesus' name. Someone say in Jesus' name. Can you stand together with me? 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace, everyone say the peace, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It is a powerful scripture that testifies to how great the peace of God can be in our lives. Meaning this, that you and I could live through circumstances, trials, tests of our faith, where we do not understand why we are going through what we are going through. doesn't make sense. There's no reason behind it. Whether it's the loss of a loved one, job loss, sickness, disease, financial woes and stresses, whatever it might be, you have found and I have found myself on more than a few occasions where I don't understand. I don't, I don't even know how I'm going to get on the other side of this thing, how I'm going to get through this valley. I, I don't understand it. But the Bible says that when you are there and your understanding is lacking, he says, go ahead and cast all your care upon me. Go ahead with thanksgiving. Find something to be thankful for. Let your requests be known unto me. And he says, I'm going to grant you a peace that surpasses your understanding. You see, our power to know something that gives us the power to say no to things is not predicated on our understanding. Knowledge and understanding can be two separate things. I can know what the Word of God says for me, though I may not understand it. I can know that my body is healed supernaturally. I can't explain it by human logic or capabilities. I can know that God made a way where there was no way, though I can't explain how he did it. And so whatever you're going through and whatever you're facing, I want you to rest in what you know about God and what you know from his word. And I promise you that there is a peace that God aims to give to you that will cross you over whatever valley you're going through, whatever struggle you're facing, and it will exceed your understanding. Oh, Lord. I feel like there, there's that bridge again that God wants us to cross, to go from being full of the Spirit to walking in the authority of the Spirit. That means to have a confidence that God is in control. I want to open up this altar for people that this message has spoken very specifically into your life, whether you are a first-time guest or you're a long-standing member of the Refuge Church. I want to encourage you right now to step out from wherever you're 
you're standing or sitting and make your way up towards this front area and just begin by lifting up your hands and saying, Lord, I receive the word. I receive every word that has been spoken. I want to put it into application in my life. I want to live in the faith of it. I want to obey it. I want to walk in the power of it. God, I pray that you will bring revelation. God, I pray that you will help me to have knowledge and understanding. And even when my understanding is lacking, I could know all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to your purpose. I could know that there are more for me than there are against me. I could know, oh God, you are greater and you are greater that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, have your way right now. Lord, I pray let there be an exercise of authority in this place and in the lives of my fellow brothers and sisters that could say no to the advances of the enemy. If you're here today and you've been deeply hurt and you are filled with anger and maybe even bitterness, you could say, no, I'm not going to live the rest of my life eaten up with bitterness and hatred and anger, but yes, I'm going to live with the perfect love of God that casteth out all fear. Father, in the name of Jesus, have your way, oh Lord God. Have your way right now. That's it. Lift up your voice. Wherever you're standing, wherever you're sitting, go ahead, lift up your voice. Call upon the name of Jesus. Jesus!